Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting his kingdom. Our service times are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Today's message is Embracing Lent. Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. All right. So this is a, 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 a quiz. Does it, do, do you know what Wednesday was this past Wednesday? Y'all know it was Ash Wednesday, right? So I, I asked that with our youth on Wednesday. And it, it's always funny whenever you ask that because it, and even for me, honestly, like I never realized it's going to be Ash Wednesday until like the Monday before Ash Wednesday. Because it's like, oh, man, that's, that's right. You know, because we obviously here, we don't follow the traditional church calendar, even though we do a lot of, the, a lot of those things. We, we talk about Advent, we talk about uh, uh, Lent, things like that. And, and we do that intentionally because I think there's a lot of, of value there. But that's not, our church isn't built on the, those uh, calendar events. And so uh, all of a sudden you realize, and, and there ha- I will admit, there have been times uh, that uh, the way that I found out that it was Ash Wednesday is that I drove by one of the Catholic churches in town. And I was like, why are all of these people here on a Wednesday? Right? And, uh, and, and you realize, okay, that's it. You know, Ash Wednesday is an, is an interesting, uh, you know, kind of time, an interesting celebration. Um, and and it's, it's one of those things that... For me growing up, I never even really heard about it. Like it, it wasn't something that our church even talked about. Um, it's kind of become more popular culture in a way. Um, and and I, I'll kind of open up what happens in my head because I, I have cynicism and then I correct my cynicism and, and, and I go back and forth. But uh, there's a couple of things that kind of show how uh, you know, kind of it's changed over time. I was in an airport one year. Uh, this was a few years ago on Wednesday. And there was a uh, priest in the customs line with ashes. And you could go and get your ashes because you're in the airport and so you're not going to be able to go to a service. Right? My, my, my first thought was, well, that's, that's kind of strange. Right? right? You just kind of, a, you know, drive through ashing. You know, and, and, <laughs> but then I was like, no, but if this is important to someone, them having the opportunity to do that, that's really cool, right? And, uh, and then there's, you know, then there'll be, now you'll start to see people that are still wearing the ashes, you know, throughout the day. And, uh, you know, the cynical side of me says, you know, Jesus talked about when you're fasting, you don't let people know you're fasting. You know, is that just trying to draw attention to yourself? And then I realized, well, but, you know, some people probably do that because what if they get a question and someone asks, why do you have ashes on your forehead? That's a perfect opportunity to share your faith, right? See, so th- those are the things that, that go into my head. And uh, it's, it's a strange place to be. And, and I, but I, I thought about Ash Wednesday and Lent a lot. And I, and I want to kind of talk about it because um, I think it's important to know well, why, how did it get to this place? Because now it has become popular culture in many ways. Most people kind of know, they may not know all the, t- the terms, but they know that people give things up, right, for, for Lent. 
even in Protestant churches, even in Baptist churches now, people will give something up for Lent. There was a movie about a guy who gave up sex for Lent, right? Now that's, that, but that shows you how this theme, this tradition, you know, has, has permeated culture. People understand it. Well, what is it really about? Well, it does, it goes back to the early church. There's evidence of, of this kind of being started in, in late 300s, early 400s. So that's a, a long time ago. It was really kind of a little bit after uh, the, what would it be, the first millennia? So it was a, a, the year 1009 or something like that. Um, you know, that, that uh, it, um, it kind of became more official within the, the church and within, and of course we view that as the Catholic church now, right? But that was essentially the church. So, um, and, and it really came from a very good place, a good theological place. Whenever you're dealing with ashes, there are a couple of things that that represents, and it goes all the way back to the Old Testament. It, ashes uh, were representative of dust or of ash, which was representative of death, right? So it's a time where you're recognizing mortality. You're a time you're recognizing that your, your life is limited. You're recognizing why we have to die, which is because of sin, right? That's the reason that we, we're dying is because of sin, and so also ash was a time, uh, and you would put ashes on you. You see this in Job, whenever Job is mourning and he's repenting. So when people would, would repent um, or mourning, they would put ashes on themselves. So, it was, it was, so it's taking this tradition that began way back in the Old Testament, right? And it's using that and kind of as a recognition, and hey, we need to remember this. Like we need to remember that life is finite, that death is a part of this life, and that it is connected with our sin. And so we need to recognize that so we can be penitent from our sin, right? And uh, and and that's something that we we get away from. <laughs> we uh, we we don't we all recognize that we're sinful, right? Um, but this idea of repentance and things like that. We, that, that doesn't fly well in our culture today, right? And even we struggle with it too. You're like, okay, yeah, I, I know I shouldn't do that and I'm just, I'm not going to do it anymore. But do we ever really kind of step back and think of the gravity of the situation? Like the reason we die is because of sin, <laughs> right? That's a pretty heavy thing. Right? And so no matter what that sin is, because it, sin is simply a separation from God, is, is going again, trying to do things your own way rather than God's way, right? that is the ultimate cause of our death. And so the, the ashes, they are representing that. And so this, this kind of got wrapped in, to, and, and over the years, the traditions developed. You had Ash Wednesday. Um, and, and that led into the season of Lent. And the season of Lent, Lent means basically spring. I mean, it's, it's kind of this moving forward to new life, right? But it, it has traditionally been the, the 40 days, not counting Sundays, because that will mess up your math, the 40 days 
not counting Sundays before Easter. Okay? So, so that's the season of Lent. Ash Wednesday kicks that off. And, and so, so the, there became this tradition of, of Ash Wednesday. And then that led to a season of Lent. And in, during that time, there would be fasting. When it started off, it was like, it was pretty strict. It was fasting all 40 days. Um, for, and you'd only have like one small meal a day. Like, they were serious about it, right? And, uh, of course, maybe because they only had one meal a day anyway. I didn't, you know, <laughs> but no, no, they really took it seriously. That has changed over time. Um, used to it wasn't, you didn't eat, uh, meat, fish, chicken, anything. You, you, you basically went vegetarian. Um, and then that morphed. Um, and, and a lot of this is because our society, you know, it's kind of like churches do the same thing. It's like, how can we get more people to be involved in this? Like, this is a really good idea, right? But then, man, people still, they don't want to fast for 40 days. Well, how do we make it a little bit more accessible, right? We can argue whether that's good or bad, but that's what happens. And, uh, and you know, and so it got to where it became, well, you don't eat meat on Fridays, right? And that's why fish places... Were, have been traditionally really busy on Fridays during Lent, right? And, uh, and, and so, and then the more Protestant view of that, Protestants look at that and they say, well, we can't be Catholic, right? We, we don't want to do that. You know, that would get us in trouble. But, you know, this is a pretty good idea. Thinking about sin and repentance and preparing yourself to East for Easter, hmm, maybe there's something to that. But we, we can't do that, so we're not going to fast, but we're going to do it where you give something up, right? You, uh, and so, man, I, how, many, how many of you have ever given something up for Lent, like for this, a specific 40-day time, okay? Not, nothing wrong with this uh, at all, right? And, and people will give up all kinds of different things, you know, and, and, uh, and it, sometimes you'll see it, it gets popular within youth groups or something like that. And so people kind of, well, what's the, what's the strangest thing that I can give up? You know, or, or people just, well, I'll give up Cokes or I'll, you know, something that's bad for their health and they'll use it as a Kickstarter to do that, right? None of this is, is wrong in itself, but it, you can kind of see maybe some of the weaknesses. Cause if you're, if you're not giving up something that is going to make you think about your sin and your repentance, you're, you're kind of missing a little bit about what the season of Lent is all about, right? And so we have all of this going, going on, and, uh, and, and I want us to kind of sit back a little bit and think, okay, what are we going to do with this time of year, right? What are we going to do during the season of Lent? I, I don't necessarily like the idea of giving something up, um, on it on its own, because it sometimes it nearly reinforces a stereotype that God is out there making rules to keep you from doing things. And so here's another one, right? Here's another thing that you're going to to give up. I think the the purpose all along behind that is not really what you're giving up, but what are you doing instead, right? That's the purpose of giving something up anyway. That's how it originally started. Okay, I'm going to give up Cokes. And so every time I want a Coke, I'm going to 
read a, a psalm or I'm going to do something, something that connects you. That's what you're, it's supposed to be about. But, but I, I do think that this time of year, um, we can make, we can connect it with as many rituals as we want and it's going to fall flat if you as an individual don't engage in this time of year and start doing something different. Start thinking about God different, implementing something in your life to draw you closer to God. That's the only way it's going to happen. And we can give hints and ideas, but you've got to think about what's going to work for you. And I, I want to encourage you. We're going to do some, some things. Uh, we're going to do something today. But, uh, but just throughout this time of year, it is a good opportunity to kind of reset and to restart and to say, okay, you know what? I do need to recognize my sin. I do need to repent. I do, there are things in my life I, we need to change. And I need to move closer to my, in my relationship with God. Right? But that's going to be different for everyone. And if a, if a simple going to a, to a service and getting a cross of ashes on your forehead, if it does that, if it helps you, that is wonderful, right? That is great. But if that is just a ritual and you just do it because you're expected to do it, well, then it's not doing any good. And that's the same thing with if we give up something or whatever. It's not about that those kind of acts or not doing something. It's about what are we going to do? How are we going to change our behavior? I want to read a passage. We're going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me. Uh, read in, in Psalms today, and and I, I want to want to read this passage, and we're we're going to talk about kind of this, you know, what are those things that we do need to let go of so that we can start moving closer to God, so that our relationship with God God can grow during this time of year. Psalm twenty seven says this: it says the Lord is my light and my salvation; whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple, for in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent, set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes or false witness rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord.
This passage starts off, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And it says this, The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. That word stronghold really jumped out to me. That the Lord is our stronghold. When you think of stronghold, I, I think of, uh, I think of a, a military fortress, right? Um, we had a, uh, <laughs> my dad built a tree house in our backyard and it was, uh, you know, just elevated up probably about six, seven feet tall and things. And, and, uh, we had big pecan trees in our backyard. And so we would have, uh, pecan wars, right? And so you'd just be throwing. And, and you wanted the tree house, right? And, and we had a, an old tire, a big old tractor tire that was kind of halfway in the ground, you know, to play on down below and, and all kinds of things. You had hiding places there, but you didn't, that's not where you wanted. You wanted up in the fort, right? Because then you can see down. And, uh, and yeah, they, they may be able to throw things at you, but it's a lot harder for them to hit you than it is for you to hit them. And the tree is right there. And so you have all the pecans just right there. You don't, you don't even have to gather them up. They're just there. So it was great. It was a wonderful stronghold. And that's what a stronghold is, right? It's a place that we have what we need. It's a place that we can put our trust in. Uh, it's a place that gives us uh, strength and security, right? It's a place that we, we know we want to be. But it's a place that, that has an, an attachment, that it can, it can draw us in, right? And the psalm is saying that you, God, are my stronghold. And that is so important. Here's the problem. Can we really say that in your life, in my life? Can I really say that the stronghold of my life is God? Or has it become something different? And this is in the essence of what the season of Lent is all about. Is thinking about where is your stronghold? What is holding you? Right? And, and I, I start thinking about this and the, the easy ones, you know, that, that kind of fall into the, this category is, well, is it an addiction that's your stronghold, right? That just, that just keeps you uh, tied in, right? And we all know, and we all struggle with that. So there's some form of addiction that we, we may all face. That is definitely a stronghold. And we may want our stronghold to be God, but deep down we know, man, this, this place has a stronghold in my life, right? But you know, it's not just addiction stuff because that becomes way too easy. Because you can say, oh, well, I, I'm, you know, I'm not diagnosed as addicted to anything, so I must be okay. No. How many of us are addicted to bitterness? Right? Is bitterness a stronghold in our life? How about just negativity? Right? Frustration? Anger? You know, it, it, it can be behaviors, but it can also be unhealthy emotions. It can be strongholds in our life that just keep pulling us, and they're so strong, they just keep us there, right? And one of the things that I want us to encourage us to do as we enter into this time of Lent is to think about 
Where are those strongholds in our life? What is it in my life that is keeping me from entering into that relationship with God that I truly desire? Because as the passage goes on, and this is uh, written by David, um, a lot of these passages are written, he's probably, you know, has already experienced the stuff with Bathsheba, right? And, and so the major sin in his life, so he's reflecting on that. Don't you think that David realized, wow, that, I, I allowed that to become a stronghold in my life. And so he's saying, no, I'm going to let the Lord as my stronghold. And he says, one thing I ask from the Lord, right, one thing. He says, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days. He desires for God to be his stronghold. Because he recognizes what that does and how it changes his life. And he, he continues to go and he talks about that uh, my heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide from me. And in verse 11, teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path. Right? He's recognizing that he still doesn't have it all together. Yes, he knows the Lord is his stronghold, but he still struggles. And so he's still saying, continue to teach me, God. Continue to show me the way that I need to go. And he continues on down, and it says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. He's recognizing, he's recognizing what the strongholds are in his life and how some of those can take him and have taken him to really bad places. And so he's saying, no, God is going to be my stronghold. I'm going to seek his face. I'm going to allow him to teach me his path. And then I know that I will experience his goodness in the land of the living. Right? In a sense, what he's saying is, if, if God is not your stronghold, you are kind of in the land of the dead. <laughs> you may be walking around, you may be functioning, but you are, you are not truly living. And whenever we celebrate Ash Wednesday and we enter in to this season of Lent, what we are doing is we're saying goodbye. We're saying enough with those negative strongholds in my life. I am not going to allow them to keep me in the land of the dead. I'm going to start living in with, the, with the living, right? With the fullness of life that comes only in knowing who God is and making sure that he is our ultimate stronghold. What I want us to do here for the next uh, just, just few minutes, the, the piece of paper that, um, that I, I gave you, I want you to think about what are some of those negative strongholds in your life? And, I, and write as many down as you want. And it's not a real big piece of paper, so you, you, know, you, you, you do as, as you can. But uh, especially if there's one that just jumps out. I want you to write down what is that that is holding you back, that you know. Right? And, uh, and then we're going to collect those. No one's going to read them, uh, but we'll collect them here in just a minute. Um, and, and in the meantime, we're going to have a, 
a, a video that is showing, and it's, it's basically, uh, you can read along with it, um, it's Psalm 27, the psalm that we just wrote, um, but as we do this, just kind of take a, a reflective attitude and allow God to, to show you where your heart is. Where are those strongholds that are pulling you away from him? The Lord delivers and vindicates me. I fear no one. The Lord protects my life. I am afraid of no one. When my adversaries and enemies attack me, they stumble and fall. Even when an army is deployed against me, I do not fear. I have asked the Lord for one thing. This is what I desire. I want to live in the Lord's house all the days of my life so I can gaze at the splendor of the Lord and contemplate in His temple. He will surely give me shelter in the day of danger. He will hide me in his home. Now I will triumph over my enemies who surround me. I will offer sacrifices in his dwelling place and shout for joy. I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear me, O Lord, when I cry out. Have mercy on me and answer me. My heart tells me to pray to you, and I do pray to you, O Lord. Do not reject me. Do not push your servant away in anger. You are my deliverer. Teach me how to want me to live. Lead me along a level path because of those who wait to ambush me. Do not turn me over to my enemies. Rely on the Lord. Be strong and confident. Rely on the Lord. Psalm 27. I'm going to ask Tim and Reggie if, if you're comfortable, just put the whatever you wrote down, um, just put that in the basket as it comes by. Again, these won't be read. You know, there are a lot of strongholds that we all struggle with. A lot of strongholds in our life that uh, that we've entered into, and then all of a sudden they won't let us go. 
But at some point, we have to acknowledge them. We have to recognize their power. We have to recognize that they, that they are grabbing us, holding us. And we have to make that choice to allow God to start defeating that stronghold in our life so that we can, so that we can truly live the life that he created us to live. I don't know what it was that you wrote down, but you can give it to God. And God, sometimes it takes time, but God didn't create you to remain in strongholds that aren't him. He created you to be with him. He is the stronghold. He's the stronghold that overcomes addiction. He's the stronghold that overcomes bitterness. He's the stronghold that overcomes fear. He's the stronghold that overcomes emotional distress. He overcomes anxiety. He overcomes stress with your kids. Overcomes stress with your spouse. He overcomes being slave to money and finances. He overcomes anxiety. He overcomes whatever addiction that you may be battling. He overcomes... Whatever habit that just keeps sucking you in, he destroys that. Scripture talks about our God as a consuming fire. It's a fire that refines, that purifies. The season of Lent is a time to be purified. It's a time to let God be the stronghold in our life. Not where we have to try to fix everything that's going on. You, you have many storms in your life, just like that video, all kinds of storms. But it's God who's our stronghold in the midst of that. And this season of Lent, whatever it is that's been your stronghold, allow him to destroy that to shatter that stronghold in your life and then replace it with him. And it doesn't, it's not that you need to give something up for Lent or you need to follow some ritual. What you need to do is you need to start changing direction and start moving towards him. And whatever it takes to do that, and if there's some helps along the way, that is wonderful. But it does come down to God gives you and he equips you to be able to do it, to say no to the strongholds in your life that keep you away from him and to start moving towards him. But you have to choose to do it. But maybe, maybe this season of Lent, we will remember. We will remember that God loves us like no one else. And so whatever those strongholds are on our life and how powerful they may be, 
they pale in comparison to the stronghold of God. That's where we need to root our life. Would you pray with me? Dear God, I thank you. I thank you for your presence here in this place. I thank you that you are a God who takes and consumes the strongholds in our lives and replaces them with you and your strength and the stronghold that we find in you. Lord, I pray that you will give us the courage and the confidence to rely on you, to make you our stronghold and nothing else. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas, 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.